It is good to be with you this morning. I appreciate this opportunity. I have appreciate the opportunity to be with you guys this last year. I want to say that to you. Uh, I uh, also want to acknowledge Zach and all the hard work he's done too as well with our youth. And I appreciate you doing that, brother, and all that you've done this last year too. It's been, been a great deal. Couldn't have done that without you being a part of this with us too. And uh, the mustache looks good, man. <laughs> Just don't curl it, okay? <laughs> but anyway... Uh, I appreciate that, uh, guys. It's been a, it's been a fun time. Uh, I'm excited about your new pastor coming in. David's a good brother. We've talked quite a bit, and he's just a, just a good guy. And I think that uh, I think the future of the church is in solid hands. And and uh, uh, but it's been good to be with you this last year. Uh, I had um, uh, it was Jeff is one of the young men I had the opportunity to mentor, and so taking this and doing this is partly because I wanted to honor God, but I also want to honor the hard work he put into this too as well, and uh, appreciate what God's doing with him down in Florida now, and, and uh, but thank you guys, you've been a great blessing, so appreciate that a lot. All right, I'm going to, uh, we're going to look at Philippians 3, if you go ahead and bring that up, Zach, okay? Philippians 3, and today I'm going to talk to you about uh, um, what it means to embrace God's best for you and your church, okay? Um, Zach, can you go ahead and bring that up, buddy? All right, thank you, man. Appreciate that. <laughs> all right, turn to your neighbor and say something good to them, okay, while we're waiting for this, all right? Come in here, all right? There you go. They're going to probably try to pull that up for us. Well, anyway, he, they can catch up with us in a minute, okay? What I was going to do is I've got two parts to the message today that we want to we do. First part is simply this, and that is, that is to talk about uh, uh, some, some suggestions I have that you can do as a people for your, uh, for your new pastor and what you can do for them, okay? And the first thing is I had five myths, five myths that you can do for your, uh, uh, that you need to look at when you look at your pastor. Hey, uh, there we go. Jerry, can you help them pull that up back there? They, they, they got, can't pull up the PowerPoint back there for us, okay? All righty. But anyway, five myths. Here's the first myth, okay? These are five myths that you need to understand about your pastor. Then we'll get into our sermon First off is pastors only work on Sundays. Pastors only work on Sundays. That's a myth. If you think that's true, then you need to just repent of your sin and understand that that is not true. I remember one time my, my deacons looked at me and they said, they said, Pastor, said, uh, said, you know, you only work one day a week. So I challenged them. I said, I tell you what, why don't you let me do this? I said, we will take a Sunday, we'll take a week, and I'll trade with any of you and I'll do your job all week long and you do mine. I said, let's see who, get, who calls uncle first, okay? I said, I'll guarantee you, you don't realize half the stuff that happens, guys, and, and uh, uh, you know, you, you really, really don't. So second one here, okay? Uh, pastors are made of Teflon and do not feel pain. Let me tell you something, guys. Um, Debbie can tell you this, and Zach can tell you this. When I was in seminary, well over half our guys wanted to be pastors. That's not true anymore. They've watched get pastors get beat up on so much over the years, you know, by, by, uh, uh, by folks that, uh, you know, won't come tell them what the problems are. They just, they just all this kind of stuff. They, you know, and, and then they hear about it through the grapevine because everybody's passive aggressive and all that. And, and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Don't, don't do that to your pastor. Don't do that to him, guys. He's not made of Teflon, I promise you, and neither is his family. That, number three, that pastors are perfect people. Trust me, pastors are not perfect people. If you've ever watched me watch a Tennessee football game, you would know my imperfection leaves about five minutes into the game, okay? Amen, that's right. 
That's right. Number four, number four, pastors should, pastors should uh, put the needs of the church over the family. Mm. Guys, make sure your pastor, and that last one, by the way, is pastors do not need any time off. Make sure your pastor takes his time off. Make sure that you protect him and his family. Make sure that you, guys, and, and, I, and let me, I'm going to add one more that I took off there to this as well. I'm thankful to God that you have a parsonage. But respect the parsonage space. I had a guy drive by one time who was in my church, and he got on to me because we left a light on at night. Well, here's what was happening. We literally had a satanic group in our community in Texas, and Debbie can tell you this, that was killing animals, and they were burying the carcasses about 100 yards from us in a field. So my girl's windows were in the back of the house, so we left the light on so that we, you know, it, would, it would deter anybody coming and this guy comes to me and says, you're wasting the church's money by keeping that light on all night. I laid him out, got thrown in jail. I wanted to, I promise you. <laughs> Guys, respect the parsonage space too as well. Respect that. Respect that that's his home. And, and, and don't get upset, by the way. Don't get upset if they paint some of the things and things like that. You know, Debbie came in one day and she painted one of the walls blue. And you, you would have thought she would have shot half of our deacon's wives. You know, well, you know what I told them? I said, guys, you can paint over it when you leave. Until then, it's our house. So respect that space. But here's, here's, here's how the laity, I gave you this too as well. Here's how the laity can support and minister to their pastor. Here's how the laity can support and minister to their pastor. I'll give you 10 things here, then we'll go into our sermon. Number one, pray for your pastor and their family daily. Pray for your pastor and their family daily. Pray for their pastor. Go ahead and go through those first five things there real quick. I'll tell you what, I'll do that real quick. There you go, there they are right there. Y'all see them right there. Take time off, okay? All right, here we go. First of all, thank you, you guys. I appreciate that. Pray for your pastor and their family daily. Lift them up. Pray for them. You know, lift, make sure to do that for them every single day. How about this? Give your pastor the benefit of the doubt. Let me, let me tell you something. I've had people get mad at me in interims. I've had them get mad at me. As a pastor, I've been in ministry 36 years. I've had people get so angry at me over things because they didn't know the whole story, because they didn't know what was going on behind the scenes that I couldn't tell them. And they, wouldn't, they weren't willing to give me the benefit of the doubt. Debbie, Debbie, there's stuff that happened to me in my last pastorate 30, 25 years ago that Debbie still doesn't know about because I couldn't tell her. Give your pastor the benefit of the doubt. You, you're saying, why is he doing this? Well, you don't know the whole story, and he can't tell you because legally he's bound not to, or he'll break the confidence he has with his people. But people just get mad over stuff and assume, well, he's just being this. No, give your pastor. And if you've got a problem, go talk to him. Don't just quit tithing. Don't just leave the church. Don't just hang it, stop going. Don't do, go talk to him and tell him. Tell him what's going on, okay? All right, next one. Be, be a discreet and trusted friend. Be a discreet and trusted friend. I can't tell you, I got a man named David Dotson who's still one of my closest friends in the world. Jim Tolles, who were my discreet and trusted friends in my last pastorate, who were there for me at some hard times. And help me, be a discreet and trusted friend. Volunteer assist without waiting for an invitation. Don't wait for them to ask everybody else, guys. Volunteer to assist without waiting for an invitation. All right, next one. Be positive buffer between the pastor and the church body by heading off attacks whenever possible. If you're sitting in a group at a Sunday school meeting somewhere and someone wants to attack the pastor, here's what you do. 
You say, hey, come with me. Let's go find the pastor. You tell the pastor what you're saying right here. If they won't say it, they don't deserve to say it privately if they're not going to say it publicly. You understand what I'm saying, guys? I'm telling you, it's the truth. It's absolute truth. Be positive buffer between them. Protect your pastor. Protect your pastor. Do this. Guys, I'm serious. I've had, I remember one interim I had one time and someone called me on Monday morning. They said, you should have been at the Sunday school Christmas meeting Saturday night because you were the package of everything. Everybody was ripping on you and ripping on the former pastor. Not a one of them ever had the gumption to ever come and sit down and talk to me. And had they done that, we could have worked those things out. Just do this. Be a, you know what, what bothered me most? Nobody in that meeting stood up and said, wait a minute. This is not right. Not one of them stood up and said, hey, why don't we call the pastor and ask him to come over right now. Let's talk to him. All right? Be a positive buffer between that. Number six. All right? Number six. Buy into the vision of the pastor even if you don't fully understand. God brought him here for a reason. Trust him. Trust him. Trust what he's doing. Give the pastor the same respect you desire, especially as it relates to solving disagreements. God is not passive aggressive. Look at me. Please understand this, guys. I'm the least passive-aggressive human being on this earth. When, we, when I've sensed any issues, I've come to you guys. I've come to you. But you know what? Pastors want the same respect. If you've got an issue, come talk to them. God is not passive-aggressive. He is very active. And trust me, things get around in small communities. People know what's going on. Because I promise you, if you tell somebody, don't tell anybody, they're going to tell 12 people. And everybody's kin in this community, so everybody knows what's going on, right? Don't be a hand of Satan to be able to, to mess up what's going on because you refuse to go talk to people. Go talk to them. And you know, look, if someone's got a problem with you, don't you want them to come talk to you, yes or no? Yes or no? Then give the same respect to your pastor and his family. Give the same respect. Regularly provide expressions of encouragement like gifts and kind notes. Do that. I tell my mom all the time, Zach's dad is my mom's pastor. He went into a really tough situation with a pastor, been there 30-something years. I knew how hard it was going to be. You know, I told my mom, I said, Mama, you be the, be the lady in the church who never says a word except positive. You be the lady who protects the pastor, and you give him a gift certificate for him to take his wife out every single quarter. Mom's loved John, and you don't say a word about John. My mom's 84. She'll deck you today if you say a word about John. It's truth. She will lay you out, man. I'm, it's true, isn't it? She loves John. Well, she's got a son who's a pastor. She knows what it's like. How about this one? Before expressing your preferences, discern between biblical commands and your opinion. That's big. Before expressing your concerns, discern between what's just traditional, what's your opinion, and what the Bible is really saying. If we get offended by the Bible, guys, the response is not to get mad at the pastor. The response is to repent. That's what we're supposed to do is repent. And I, and I promise you, I know David well enough. He's going to teach the Bible to you. He's going to preach it. Number 10, most of all, always make sure that authority falls responsibility. What do I mean by that? That means give your pastor, don't just expect your pastor to do all the things, the responsibilities you expected without giving him the authority to lead at the same time. Give him the authority to lead. Hand that mantle to him and let him lead. Nobody wants responsibility without authority, do they? Well, don't do that to your pastor either. Don't do that to him either. Give him the authority to lead and trust him that God brought him here. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, that's good stuff. All right, let's start the sermon here, all right? Come on, you'll follow me there real quick, Zach, okay? 
turn to turn to Philippians chapter three. Philippians. By the way, I wrote that and put that in a book, and that's where I got all that. I wrote it for a book a couple years ago, just to help guys when they transition with their pastors. So, all righty. And and by the way, if any of that hits any of you guys, it's not because I was aiming at you. I'm aim, I'm just want I'm just want to lay some wisdom out there for you to think about. Okay, as we transition. All right. All right. Philippians chapter three. Let's begin reading in verse one. How do we transition? How do we embrace God's best for our church and for ourselves? Finally, brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write to you again about the new, no trouble is no trouble for me and is a protection for you. Watch out for dogs. Watch out for evil workers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. For you, we are the circumcision, the ones who serve by the Spirit of God, boast in Christ Jesus, and do not put confidence in the flesh. Although I once also had confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, regardless, regarding the law, a Pharisee, regarding zeal, persecuting the church, regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. But everything that was gained to me I've considered as loss because of Christ. More than that, I've considered everything to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, because of him. I've suffered all the loss of all things and considered them filth so that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through the faith, faith in Christ. The righteousness from God based on faith. My goal was to know him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among, among the dead. Not that I've already reached the goal and am already f uh, fully mature, but I, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I have, I have been taken hold of by Christ. Brothers, I do not consider myself to be have taken hold of it. But in one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the price promised by God's heavenly call to Christ Jesus. Therefore, all who are mature should think this way. And if you, you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have obtained. Join in imitating me, brothers, and observe those who live according to the example you, ha you have in us. For I have often told you, and now say it with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross. Their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is their shame. They are, they are focused upon earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, from which we who eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of our God and his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. And all God's people said, what? Amen. Here's what I want to do. I want to give you five things today just to think about. Five simple principles today. First of all, I want us to look back and do not repeat past mistakes. Look back and do not repeat past mistakes. Look what it says. It says, watch out for dogs. You know, watch out for the evil workers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. He's talking about the Jews, the circumcision. The Jews are trying to come out against the Christians and destroy them. They're trying to pull them back into the law. They're trying to pull them back into tradition. They're trying to pull them back into all these things because they do not want to receive Christ as their Savior. And, and what is, so what does he point out to him? He says, look, I was just like them. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews regarding the law and the Pharisees. We must look back, but we don't need to repeat our past mistakes. Look back and learn from what we've done. Don't forget the past. Don't forget from where you've come. It wasn't but a few years ago this church was running 30. 
and God has blessed you over the last few years. Learn from those things. But don't ever think you've arrived at the place where you can ever forget what you've learned. Don't repeat the same mistakes. Learn from those things. Guys, it's okay to make mistakes. It's, it's wrong to step back in the same holes over and over again. Learn from where you've been from. Love each other. Care for each other. Look to the future. Learn from where you've been. All of us need to do that, don't we? Come on. How many, mistake, how many mistakes have we made in our life? Think about all the mistakes we've made. How many times have we messed up in the past? Come on, we don't have to look very far back to realize the way we used to dress was a big mistake, right? How many of you guys used to wear those big stacked shoes like this? How many of y'all used to wear those silk shirts and unbutton it down to here and wear those, 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 uh, uh, you know, those, those suits that we used to wear? You know, those, I had a suede three-piece grade suede leisure suit, Debbie, I'll tell you about. I had a suede one and a tan one. If you go to my mom's house right now, my senior picture was in my tan one. And it's unbuttoned down to here with my slick shirt with all those prints and stuff on it. You know, when mama dies, I'm burning that picture. <laughs> don't repeat that same mistake, guys. Don't repeat it. Just don't. Don't you ever bring that picture home, Debbie, okay? Don't do that. Don't repeat the same mistakes. Guys, it's not to say that the past was all bad. We learn from that. But go forward. Go forward. Too often in church, we go back to our comfort rather than going forward to the challenge. Don't go back to it. Don't go back. I mean, come on, even the children of Israel, when they went over into the promised land, there was a time when, you remember, I, I told you about this months ago in Joshua chapter 7, where Joshua said, God, why don't you just take us back over the Jordan? Yeah, let's go back over there and eat manna. We're about to go over here in a minute and, and have lunch with each other and share with each other. My prayers, there's plenty of chocolate pie over there. I mean, that's a buffet, isn't it? You guys do not lack in cooking, do you? You always have good fellowships, right? I like the buffet, amen? Don't you like the buffet? What if we went over there today and all we had was, was crackers with no salt on them? How many of y'all would want that? Anybody? Not me. Not me, I don't want that. Why? Because that's what he was saying. He's saying, let's just go back to the manna. No, you're better than that. Grab hold of the promised land where God's going. Learn from the past. Learn from the good. Learn from the struggles. Learn from what you've been through. Learn from where you've gone. But go forward. Learn from the past. Don't repeat the same mistakes. Don't repeat the same things. That's exactly what Paul's saying here. Number two, look in and surrender your baggage. Look at what it says in verse 7. It says, but everything that was gained to me, I've considered as loss. That word there for loss literally means garbage or dung. That's what it means, literally. Paul is saying, this is what I was in the past. I was this Hebrew of all Hebrews. I was, I was, my mom and dad were, were this. I was of the tribe of Benjamin. I couldn't have been any higher. I was a Roman citizen. I had everything. I persecuted the Christians. This is what I was. But now, what I am. I've faced my baggage. i faced my fears. i faced my insecurities. i faced who I was. And I am transformed and I am changed. And all of that... It's like garbage to me. Don't ever, don't ever do. look in, guys, and face our baggage. Look what he says, but everything was gained to me. I consider it as loss. More than that, I consider everything to be lost in view of what? The value 
of knowing, the word there for know, you know this, in the New Testament, it's a transliterated Old Testament word that means to consummate a marriage, and it's put into the Greek. He's saying not to just know about you, God, but to know you intimately. I, I, I would give everything up. Paul's sitting in a prison jail when he's writing this, and he's saying, I've given it all up, God. I'm no longer wearing gold. I'm no longer wearing the, 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 the clothes that I've wore as a Pharisee. I, I'm, I'm no longer looked up to in the religious society here. I've given it all up for you. But you know what? Why? Because of the surpassing understanding of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. Because of him, he says, I've suffered the loss of all things and consider them literally filth. There's that word again. That word there for filth literally means what we, what we, if you take a bath, the filth that's around the ring of it, that, that's what we pull. It's anything like that. The word literally means toe jam. He's saying, he's using, Paul was very direct in what he's saying here. He, he's, he's saying here, guys, he's saying, I consider all of that to be nothing because I know him. I know him. That's above all. That's above my opinion. That's above my life. I consider it all total, complete filth. So look in and face your baggage. Until you face your baggage, you'll carry your baggage all with you all the days of your life. It's the truth. Come here, Smith and Zach. I want to show you something. Come here. I used to do this in my class. Come on, turn around here, okay? Put your arms up here, okay? I used to do this in my class. Put your arm up here, right here. I used to do this in my class. Imagine that he's the baggage I'm carrying around. This is what we do. We carry this around and we go, oh, woe is me. Look at the baggage I've got. You know, and we won't admit it. Guys, the best way to be healthy is to face the garbage that's in your, in your life and the baggage that's there, the broken relationships, the anger, the stuff that makes you do the things that you know you should not do. Why not just get rid of the baggage, you know what I mean? I'm serious. I walked across my class one day and I did that. And I carried this kid all the way up around there. And I, I said, guys, this is what some of you are doing. It's like you're, you're going, woe is me. You don't know why you're hurting so bad. And you feel the way you do. And you feel the way you do. You know why? Because you, you haven't dealt with your, your inner baggage. It's almost like we wear as a, as a, as a sign of a... You know, of, of, of pride. No, deal with your baggage. Look in and deal with your baggage. And in doing so, as you surrender up your baggage, you will come to the place where you will know the surpassing joy of knowing Christ is our Savior. Number three, look up and seek his righteousness. Look what it says in verse nine. It says, having found in him, not having the righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is to know him, the power of his, what? His resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Look up and seek his righteousness. The idea of righteousness is total, complete purity. Deal with your baggage, then look up, because our only hope is through his righteousness. Because his righteousness is what makes us righteous before God. Guys, it blows me away how we let pride get in our way. Blows me away how elevated we are sometimes in our opinions of ourselves. I'm not so bad, I'm a pretty good person. How many sins does it take to make a sinner? One. That means every one of us have fallen down the same path, right? Look up and seek his righteousness. 
Paul said, I look up and seek his righteousness because in his righteousness what I find is the power of the resurrection of Christ. I find in him exactly what I need. I find, look at me, you cannot walk in this world without walking in the power of his resurrection. Without the resurrection, we have no hope. Without the resurrection, there is no fulfillment of his righteousness. Without the resurrection, that means his price that he paid did not fully pay for our sin. Look at me. Look up and seek his righteousness. You know what I find, guys? I find that when I look up and spend those moments, like this morning when I got up early, I got in the Word and I began to read Proverbs 30 today and it hit me upside the head. It was like a light shined on me and the God was revealing in me things and attitudes that weren't supposed to be there. He was saying, David, if you're going to walk in the power of my righteousness, of my resurrected, you have to live a resurrected life yourself. That means that you have to put those, that anger, put those things, put those, those, those feelings, put those, those things in your life, that past and present, put those in the grave and let Jesus cover them up and then you live that resurrected life with him because it's only fulfilled through his righteousness, not yours. Seek his righteousness. Look up and seek his righteousness. Number four, look out and daily live in the power that he has. Look at verse 10. Look what it says. It says, my goal is to know him. There's that word again, intimately know him. Not just know about him or to understand a few things about him, but to know him and the power of his resurrection. The idea there is explosive power that he can transform in his miraculous power and the fellowship of his sufferings. Yes, we're going to suffer for Christ if we're living for Christ. But to be conformed to his death, literally to like, like to be molded like clay to his death, that we would die to ourselves so he can raise us up in newness of life. He says, assuming in verse 11, that I have somehow reached the resurrection from among the dead. In other words, Paul's saying, I don't even know. Paul's sitting in that jail cell and saying, I know my Savior. I know who he is. But I'm not sure if I've reached that place myself. If Paul hasn't reached that place for what all Paul did, I'm sure that most of us, including myself, being chief of all, have not reached that place completely. Not that I have already reached the goal and I'm already fully mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it. Because I also have been taken hold of by Christ. Oh, I love that phrase. Don't you? Look at that again. Look what it says. He says, I try to take hold of this. Why? Because I'm compelled by God. Why? Look at me. Because I have been taken hold of by Christ. He will not let me go. He has grabbed hold of me. He has got my full attention. That is the direction that we must go. He has taken hold. And I will have no other Lord in front of me. That's what he's saying here. You want to walk, we have to walk that way. We have to walk forward, ahead. We have to look out and daily in his power and understand that he has taken hold of us. We do not hold on to him so much as he holds on to us. He's got a hold of us. Follow him. Follow him. Grab hold of him. Do not let go, for he is worth it. That we may understand the worthiness and the power of his resurrection. And finally, number five, look ahead and grasp his call personally as a church. Do not back up. 
I have three final things I want to say here as we close. Three final things. How do we look ahead and grasp this call personally and as a church? How do we do that? Well, number one, seek truth and spiritual maturity, not religious traditions. Look what it says in verse 15 to 17. Therefore, all who are mature should think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal it to you. In, in, in any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have obtained, joining in the imitating me, brothers, and observe those who live according to the example of Christ who is in us. In other words, we need to seek truth and spiritual maturity, not spiritual traditions. Guys, traditions, there's nothing wrong with traditions. Some traditions are good. Family reunions are good traditions, don't you agree? Don't you love getting with your family ever so often? I mean, you know what? I mean, seriously, my sister making ribs at all of our things is a great tradition. Some of you, you have, you have, do you have family traditions too? Do y'all have any traditions in your family? Do any of y'all ever go on like trips and wear all the same t-shirts and stuff like that? Do y'all meet the same place every summer? Do y'all have traditions in your family? You have traditions when you meet together, you, you watch. Some, some people at Christmas time watch certain movies together when they have traditions, they watch that. Everybody has traditions. There's nothing wrong with traditions. So I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with traditions. But let me say this. When your traditions spiritually override biblical truth, kill the traditions. A lot of our churches, the only question they ever ask is how have we always done it before? How have we do it in the past? Who did it in the past? And we're so scared to step forward and seek spiritual maturity and let go of those religious traditions. Guys, some traditions are good. But I grew up in a church that had all kinds of traditions. They told me when I was growing up that if my hair ever touched my ears, I'd go straight to hell, don't pass go, don't collect your 200 bucks, you're done. You're a fry baby, you're done. Like a piece of bacon, you're going to just sizzle in hell. That's what it was. They told me that. They told me that if I ever wore shorts in public... I mean, let me tell you, let me just be honest with you about here, okay? I don't know what my legs look like, but if my legs bother you, you've got the problem, not me. Because as far as I know, my legs have never tempted anybody, all right? <laughs> but my, I, I went to my youth minister one time. I was a 17-year-old hormonally challenged teenager asking him, how do I handle all these feelings that are coming my way? You know what he told me? He said, well, if you'd stop wearing shorts all the time, you'd be cooler. I said, that has nothing to do with what I'm going through. All you do is give me traditions. Stop it with the traditions. Let's grab hold of God. Let's grab hold of Him. Let's follow Him. Let's do that. Let's stop with all this religious stuff. Let me tell you something. I've never been in a committee meeting in my life where I've ever seen anybody saved. I've been in a bunch of them where I've seen a whole lot of people leave the church. Let's not worship our committees. Let's not worship our structure. Let's not worship our tradition. Let's worship Jesus. Let's seek him. Let's seek him. It's not about seek truth and spiritual maturity. Not religious traditions, guys. I mean, it's not that we shouldn't do our business and well-being and those kind of things, but I'm going to tell you something. If doing our business overrides reaching people in our community and ruins our reputation, then maybe we should sell off our business and just stop it. If we can't do our business in a way that honors God. And guys, I'm serious. 
We've done this in Baptist circles for so long. We're so enamored by our traditions. We are. This is the way we always do it. Well, you know what? David's going to come in here and there may be changes. And some of you are going to go, well, why are we going to do that? Why are we going to do that? Do you know how many churches are divided in America right now because of worship styles? Well, I like hymns. Oh, I like, I like you know, new worship style. Guys, do you know what worship style I like? Anyone that obeys God. I couldn't care less if you played a, a guitar, a tambourine. I couldn't care less what you do. But people get all upset. Why? Because we grew up on certain things. I grew up with him. him. Who cares? That's a preference. Who cares? I mean, my mama loves southern gospel music. I, I hate it. It doesn't make her right and me wrong. That's a preference. There's certain traditions, yes. But guys, look at me. Don't fall in love with the formality of church. Church is not supposed to be a formality. Church is supposed to be us on mission with Christ every day, surrendering our lives for the glory of God to reach this community with the gospel. It's not about traditions. It's about him. That's what we're supposed to be about. That's what we're supposed to seek. How about this? Number two, set your eyes on eternal issues, not temporary desires. Look what he says in verse 18. He says, for I have often told you, and now I say it again with tears, that many, lie, many live as enemies of the cross. He's talking about the religious leaders who are trying to force them to go back into Judaism. Their end is their destruction. Their goal is their stomach because they had all these dietary laws that they were trying to force on them. Their glory is their shame. They are focused upon earthly things. But our citizenship, look at what it says in verse 20. Look at your Bible and look what it says. It says, but our citizenship is where? Where is it? Where is it? Where? It doesn't say Rocky Mount, right? Where's our citizenship? So we're temporary beings here, right? We're just passing through this place, right? We are his children of light coming through Rocky Mount to show other people how to see the light. Amen? That's what we're called to be. That's what this is supposed to be. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our desire, our very being should be consumed by waiting for Christ to move and seeing him transform us and transform this community. That's what this is all about. That's why God planted this church here. Not to make us happy, but to help us to become holy. Do you know why God planted this church here? He put it here to reach this community with the gospel. He doesn't care about our opinions. He cares about our faithfulness and our obedience. He cares about us grabbing hold of him and never letting go as he holds on to us. He cares about us going forward and seeking truth. That's what this is about. For our citizenship as children of God it's not here. There's nothing this world can offer that can, can come close to what we have in heaven. Our citizenship is not here. We are children of the light of Christ. We are redeemed by his blood. We should live that way, act that way, go forward that way, for he is what we seek. Set your eyes on eternal issues, not temporary desires. And finally, sanctify your hearts and trust Christ, for he is our ultimate goal. Look what he says in verse 21. He says, but he will transform that Lord, that the body of our humble condition. In other words, he will make us totally a new creature. 
He will transform us of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body. That means when I get to heaven, Chris, I'll be tall. Amen. Praise God. Yes. By the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. Sanctify. Sanctify. Sanctify our hearts and trust him. I plead with you, church. You are a great people. I have loved my year here with you. I've got to be a part of several funerals and parts of your family and different things like that at different times. Thank you for letting me come into your life, be a part of that. Thank you. Thank you for your love and compassion. But guys, this is so true. Let's look back and learn. Let's look forward and grab hold of him. He is, it doesn't matter what anybody else says, it's about him. We are his church. It's not about the structure. It's about the Savior. Let him sanctify our hearts that we may trust him. For he has brought all things under his control. It's about him. I want you to know that I love you all very much. I haven't agreed with every one of you all the time, but I don't agree with my wife all the time. But that's okay. It is. When we get to heaven, we'll have new sanctified bodies and everything else, and we'll probably discuss a lot. But I will say this. I really do love you. I love being a part of the, the good, good times and the struggles and all the stuff. Because look around you. You're a strong church. Mark, you're a good people. It's a good community. You are. Hold on to Christ and hold on to each other. Don't let anything come in between that. When, when David comes in, grab hold of the division he has. Support him and hold up his family and love him. And don't let go of Christ, for he won't let go of you. You've been a blessing this last year. You really have. Jeff, it was a pleasure ordaining you, buddy. Reed, you guys, thank you for all of you. Mark, for all those Wednesday nights you filled in for me, man, thank you. I love you, buddy. I love all of you guys. What you in the pulpit committee did. Everything. Becky, for you guys, for Lee, thank you. Thank you. I already told Zach, Jonathan, all of you guys. Jack, just all the car time, man, it's been a blast. But more than anything, hold on to Christ. That's what this is about, Jerry. I love you and your family, your dads, precious man. I'm telling you, hold on to Christ. That's what Paul's saying. He's writing from a jail cell and he is begging us, put everything else out, seek my righteousness, seek my holiness, live in the resurrection and hold on to me, follow me. Let everything be bounced off. Would that please Christ as you go forward? Let every attitude and every thought and everything we do glorify him. Would you pray with me? We're going to take a moment for invitation this morning. Maybe you've never received Christ your personal Savior. And maybe this morning God's calling you out to receive him.
God's saying to you that he wants you to come just like Dwayne did. Maybe you need to be baptized. Maybe you've never received Christ your personal Savior. Maybe it's time you just take that step. Maybe you need to join the church today. Maybe God's saying this is the place you need to be. You come this morning, man. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray right now, God, that you would begin to do in us what you desire. We would seek you. We would go after you with all of our heart. That we would be compelled by the power of your spirit in us to turn away from anything that distracts us and turn completely to you. To seek to know the power of your resurrection, the fellowship of your sufferings, to be made righteous by your blood, that we will be consumed by you, not by this world, not by our opinions, not by tradition, not by religion, but by relationship with you. We wouldn't just know about you, but we would know you. God, I pray for Rocky Mount Baptist Church. I thank you for this precious place, for these amazing people. I thank you, God, for this last year. God, I pray there'll be many, 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 many years ahead. I pray for your anointing upon David as he comes. But this morning, right now, Father, if there's anything we need to settle between us and you, let us be honest right now and do that. That you might be honored by the depth of our soul from the inside out we would not be holding anything back that you would be glorified in all that we do thank you Father in Jesus name I'm going to ask you to stand right now we're going to sing a verse or two God's calling you out you come right now you come